0: Opinions expressed in the following program may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Life in Colorado.
1: Welcome. I'm your host, Maria Oliver. April the 15th through the 19th is National Health Care Decisions Week. Doctors and health caregivers givers across the country want you to take time to discuss, decide, and document your wishes for advanced care. Joining us this week is Dr. Todd Wisser. In addition to his numerous accolades and community outreach projects, he practices family medicine with New West Physicians. Hello, Dr. Wisser, and thanks for joining us.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure, and I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to discuss something that's near and dear and uh, a passion of mine uh, as far as just kind of helping patients navigate our healthcare system.
1: And Dr. Wister, <laughs> how did you get involved with advanced care planning?
0: So I work with New West Physicians here in Denver. We're a large primary care uh, group here in the metro area. So I've worked in uh, palliative care and uh, hospice, actually, um, so I've got some experience uh, from that area as well. You know, advanced care planning, goals of care, advanced directives, all the things that we're kind of talking about here today and what this month is focused on um, is something that I do regularly in my practice. Um, So important so that we discuss it at each and every physical that I have with any of my patients typically 65 and over.
1: Tell us a little bit about what the consequences are for not having a formalized advanced care plan.
0: If you don't mind let me just kind of go back real quick and let's talk about so what are options for formalizing some of those goals of care or advanced planning that you're talking about because those are hugely important and you're absolutely right that uh, not having those things kind of outlined ahead of time before something tragic happens uh, can have consequences that can leave your loved ones with a lot of regret or just um, feeling like they didn't make the decisions well or they just had a lot of undue stress, I guess, would be the, uh, the easiest way to put sort of what are those consequences of not having a clear outline for your plan. Um, with that said, what are options for patients and how should one go about addressing these advanced care plans which again is of utmost importance to have done in a timely fashion when a patient is feeling well and healthy that's the time to actually have these kind of conversations Um, so things that are available to patients uh, to help with that advanced care planning Options that we use here in Denver mostly as far as advanced care planning, and if you look on any sort of, um, a lot of the webs will have different states have different uh, care plans and uh, directives and paperwork specifically, specific to their state. A lot of those do cross-state borders and things like that. But the ones we use the most here in Denver are something called the MOST form, appropriately enough. The MOST form is a, it stands for Medical Orders for Scope of Treatment. Um, and that is a form that I'll kind of go into here in a second, mm-hmm. um, another option. So that's the most form. And really, I think, you know, the point I'd like to get across to today, just and I'll reiterate it a few different times here, is I used to be a teacher. I used to teach high school chemistry, so I'd always tell my students, oh. tell them once, tell them again, and then tell them a third time before you leave. <laughs> so here's the first one. So the most important thing out of today's conversation is, is complete a most form. Um, and again, that's a form that's Medic orders for scope of treatment, um, and you can get that with your primary care physician. It's a wonderful document to help sort of um, get discussions going in regard to how does one address end of life care options. It's a great it's a great stepping stone. So the most form is a is a thing that's very easily accessible here in Denver. You can actually pull it off the internet, take it into your physician. They will also have copies in their office if you don't want to do that. Um, the other thing that's a great stepping stone and also a legal document is a, something called a five wishes form. Um, that's a little broader in the sense of, I believe it's not state specific as much, um, but it still is a legally kind of binding document that also addresses the same kind of idea as the most form too. So those are the two that I'm most familiar with, um, and those would be the ones that I would recommend somebody kind of, or at least bring up and broach the subject with your primary care physician.
1: Who's impacted by these kinds of decisions, uh, family, uh, friends, uh, the individual? Who, who's impacted?
0: Gosh, you know, I mean, just, just everybody. Um, and these are these are hard conversations to obviously have with a family member or you being the family member who needs to have them. Um, they're, they're not things to easily discuss. Um, I, I've talked with a lot of my physician colleagues and kind of, you know, how do you bring this up during physical exams and things like that are in the office because it is kind of a touchy subject. Um, So the way I like to always just kind of broach it is just, you know, I I bring it up just like that. I I talk with the patient and just say, you know, here's, we got to talk about this. Now is the time to discuss this when a person is healthy. And we'll kind of get to why we do that then, uh, just to kind of give you a story down the road. But, again, approaching these subjects when someone is healthy is the absolute important time to do so. Reason being, how does that affect loved ones? How does that affect family members or friends? Well, it has a huge dramatic effect on them. And I would argue the importance of doing this ahead of time not only is sort of, you know, I guess we could call it selfish. It's not selfish. It's your life and um, you know you, you only do it once, and so you should probably do the end right too, mm. I would argue so so outlining how you want to see your care going at the end of life is equally as important as how you want it to go during life. and questions that will arise with this are you know do you would you want um, to be resuscitated with CPR if necessary? Would mm. you want to be placed on a breathing machine? Would you want hemodialysis for kidney failure? I mean, these are all very real questions that have answers based on your personal beliefs and how you would want things to move forward at that time if you were incapacitated and couldn't speak for yourself. And so I find, you know, again, it's, it can be somewhat construed as selfish, I guess, to outline your own plan. But the other real important thing is that it should hopefully bring, and the way I explain to my patients is hopefully it brings you some peace of mind to help know that really what you're doing is helping your loved ones feel good about what's going on with you, and they can just kind of mourn or deal with whatever huge amount of emotional stress is occurring at that time, but they don't have to worry about, you know, what would my patient or my grandfather or my mother want at this point in time. It takes away a lot of regret for the loved ones that are left or having to make these decisions. It helps put their mind at ease that they know they're acting on your behalf and in your benefit as outlined by you. So there's a lot of stress that's removed from family members. So it really just lets them be a family member and not so much have to worry about being your caretaker or your decision maker because you've already outlined these, these kind of uh, this plan ahead of time. So they know, hey, I am absolutely acting on grandpa's behalf. This is sad and tragic, but gosh knows I don't have any regrets thinking that maybe I'm not doing things right or you would have wanted more or less care. That's out of the equation. So you can really just kind of love for that person, whoever is having the difficult time. Um, as opposed to having to determine whether or not you're acting in their best interest. So I always I explain that to my patients, that it isn't just for you, but even more so I would argue is going to be for the, the loved ones that are left. It really helps them and feel supported um, and doing what they want for you, and that is to love you and support you and do right by you. So as far as that goes, you know it, it has a huge broad impact with, with everybody as far as whoever's caring for you. So like you went back to your question, which is family, friends, loved mm-hmm. ones, Um, siblings, whatever it is. Um, So it's just a huge, important piece of information to have laid out ahead of time and not in an emergent fashion would be the other thing I would argue.
1: And that's one of the good things about it being National Healthcare Decisions Week. It's an actual week of commemoration where you can bring this up and it not be quite so
0: awkward. Um, And that's the other thing, too, that oftentimes gets brought up. um, You know, everybody always thinks about these things as kind of scary talks and sensitive issues, and that they are, they certainly can be, but, you know, it isn't just about hospice and death and dying. It's really about how do you want to live, I would argue, as being the more important focus of this week. So I address this daily and weekly, and so every, you know, every waking moment for me is, is some sort of healthcare care decision day.
1: <laughs> now, looking from the perspective of not necessarily being the child, but being the actual parent how do you go about approaching uh, this conversation with your grown child? You know, telling them, "Yes, I'm here now. Yes, I'm fine. Everything's fine now." But how do you mm-hmm. how do you start that conversation?
0: Well, first, everybody gets a glass of wine, and <laughs> then, we sit, then we sit down. No, it, but it, it, it's, it is. It's, and again, I would just I try to emphasize the importance of having it and putting any aside real difficulties with it. Unfortunately. Death, taxes, um, you know, those are the two um, certainties in life, right? Um, And tax law, I don't even speak to that. So death, we're very well acquainted with, and unfortunately, none of us escape it. At some point in life, we will all have to deal with this. I, I kind of, and again, the way I do it with my, I've talked about it with my parents. I've talked about it with my patients. And it's just, you know, find a time where it is just a quiet time. This is not a conversation that should be rushed. The other thing I would oftentimes talk to my patients about um, uh, ideas as to kind of how to use or what stepping stone to use or how do you broach the subject. Some people do have difficulty with that. I find that one of these forms, either the most form, again, that we discussed earlier, um, being the medical orders for scope of treatment, or a five wishes form. These documents are wonderful in that they help kind of just conversation flow because it certainly is, again, a sensitive topic, could be an awkward topic, If you're not in medicine or in the healthcare field, what questions do you have to answer? You shouldn't know that. I wouldn't expect you to know that. And that's where these forms can help kind of guide sort of direction and even just kind of facilitate discussion. If I don't have one of these advanced directives on file, which is a primary care doc's office is a good place to keep these on file. Um, So I always update mine with my patients yearly at their physicals. But having these forms, acquiring one of these forms from your primary care doctor and taking it home as a as a piece of paper that, hey, son, daughter, friend, loved one, whoever it is that you've kind of sought out as your uh, durable power of attorney or your advocate if, you know, in a a point where you're incapacitated, whoever that person is, this is a good form to say, you know what, let's just meet. I have some important things that I need to go through with you regarding my health care. So they want to be told, what do you want? How can I help serve you? So this helps, I think, kind of outline that. And again, it isn't a sad thing. Um, you know, the fact that life ends, I would argue, makes it part of why it's very special. So again, this is kind of all part of that passage. And outlining those things and helping that loved one helps them help you. And they feel good about that. So it, so that's kind of how I broach It's just as, as something of just, here's how you can really support me. More often than not, people will come in with loved ones, and they have never had these conversations, you know, and at that point it's, well, what would Dad want? What would Grandpa want? Well, I don't know, well, you know, and then, and then typically tons of family members will fly in and everybody has their own different opinion on what Grandpa or Mother or Father would want, and, and it hasn't been done, and in that critical, acute, urgent time is not the time to have those conversations, unfortunately, and it just, again, adds to the caregiver stress because they want to do right by the person they love, but if they don't know what those what the right path is because it's never been discussed, well, it adds a lot of stress to it and can result in even harm or things done to the patient, to their loved one that they may not have even wanted. I am a huge advocate of, I love this, again, just having this week outlined, having this be a, an important topic as with our aging kind of population as well. is just really important. And again, it shouldn't be something sad. It should be just something very proactive. I always tell my patients, you know, we certainly hope for the best but plan for the worst. And I would say this is probably right at the head of that. Um, so, again, advocacy for doing these things early and having this conversation, again, as awkward as it may be, but hopefully maybe with some, you know, documentation provided by your healthcare provider as maybe a stepping stone would be, would be helpful.
1: What yeah. is an advocate or a proxy and how do you select one person to fill that role?
0: Yeah, so who is your advocate, your durable power of attorney, your medical proxy, um, the person you list on either the most form or the five wishes form is kind of your your point person for your decisions? That's a hugely important question. Um, and it really is just finding somebody that you're comfortable with, that you can be honest with. I find typically family members, you know, husband, wife, spouse, next of kin, siblings, your children, whoever really would. And the other thing is, is, is finding someone, too, that you know that would act honestly on your behalf and the other thing I would argue too is so in that person can be anybody it can be anybody who you choose you know that we just kind of those are just examples that I gave it's up to you to pick whoever that is you explain that to the person make it very clear in your documentation which they help you do and then there you go what I also advocate to my patients though too is I I work up in evergreen again with new west physicians we have a very very fortunate um, I guess patient population up here we have a lot of patients with significant amount of family members and loved ones and a lot of support, um, which can be both good and bad, actually, in times of kind of crisis or, you know, these episodes where people wind up in the ICUs or in the emergency room or something like that. So um, it's great to have a lot of family members, but it's great to have a lot of family members or friends that are all on the same page, too. So while there certainly will be a person who is designated as your health care proxy, your power of attorney, that will in the end, be the person that is acting specifically on your behalf and signing orders and things like that if necessary. It's important for your family, your loved ones, anyone who might kind of be there at this time if you're incapacitated, for all of them to really be aware of kind of these wishes and things like that. So having these conversations, I think it becomes easier as we sort of broach initial topic, again, just maybe using a most form or a five wishes to kind of get the conversation rolling with your durable power of attorney or that medical proxy. But honestly, just having discussions just casually with family and friends and loved ones and say, hey, I just spoke with, you know, so-and-so, that's my durable medical power of attorney, but I also would like you to know my wishes, too. So I think helping, it just, again, helps all those loved ones that if there comes a time when you are incapacitated, that everybody who would be there to support you is on the same page and says, yep, you know, this is this is dad's wishes, this is what he wanted, sure, Stephen is acting as his DPOA or his durable power of attorney, but we all agree with what Dad said and we know what his intentions and his goals and what he would or would not want. That's important if everybody, kind of, and everybody feels comfortable that this, they're all acting in a way that you would want to be treated.
1: A research shows that more Americans are living longer. We're seeing more folks living into their 80s, living to their 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, research has shown that that's going to continue to increase. Specifically, by about 2050, our mortality age will have increased by 20%. So even more people living to be 80, even more people living to be 90. So given that, what if you are the last man standing in your crew? What if you have outlived your husband? What if you have outlived your children? Uh, What if you don't have grandchildren? What do you do? Who, Who do you share your advanced care plan with at that point if you're the only one left?
0: You know, if you are sort of this last man standing, I would hope that you still have some community friends or support or, or somewhere along those lines, but certainly you can always turn towards your healthcare team. You know, as a primary care physician, I'm able to sign typically, it takes kind of two signatures on these most forms. And let me clarify too; those are actually legal documents—the most form or the Five Wishes form. Um, so those do do stand up in court. They are physicians' orders that you know myself and my patient have drafted or kind of checked off boxes that has to what they would want. And so those are those are legally binding documents. So as a as a patient's primary care physician, I am able to sign those um, and. Serve as an advocate if necessary for my patients. So you know you can certainly turn towards your healthcare team. We can set you up with support services for somebody that could certainly fill in with that. And it's really important. I would argue too is just again reviewing these documents. One can always change their mind about how you know what their their goals in life are and what their goals of care would be, especially for these end of life times. So readdressing kind of you know I always try to touch base uh, during each one of my annual exams with my patients or their annual physical. And just kind of say, you know, is there any changes to the MOST form that we need to do? Have you have you lost a loved one that maybe you have put down as your proxy? Um, do you have somebody that would act on your behalf? Who is that? Um, here's what you answered with your MOST form. Has anything changed? Do we need to update it? That's certainly a document that is a legal document, but it certainly can be fluid as far as what the patient needs. So if there needs to be things changed, we can absolutely draft a new one and and uh, get rid of the old. So reevaluating and touching base on that each year is a great way for me at least to help kind of my patients um, that are the last one standing kind of keep that, uh, keep those goals of care important and addressed and make them feel still relatively enfolded despite maybe not having a huge robust uh, support team.
1: Dr. Wister, is there someplace online where people can go to, to get a kickstart on all this information?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, the two documents that I'm just most familiar with and our, our state uh, acknowledges here in Colorado would one be the most form, again, medical orders for scope of treatment. One can look on the ColoradoAdvancedDirectives.com um, that does provide some information on advanced directives that are um, sort of legally um, legally accepted here in Colorado. The other one, again, that I like as well would be your five wishes form um, and that one, again, either one of your health care uh, or any of your healthcare care providers, specifically your primary care physician, should be able to provide these information, these sources of information to you as well, including a MOST form or a Five Wishes. They typically will have these forms in their office. But if you are just kind of at home and interested in looking into this, the fivewishes.org. So fivewishes.org is the website that kind of explains what this document is about. I do believe there is a fee for downloading that one. But either one of them, those, again, the Colorado Advanced Directives website does at least kind of get you going as well um, as far as information and maybe just kind of stirring uh, some discussion points.
1: That is a really valid point, uh, Dr. Todd. Can you hold on to that thought? Just one second. We're going to take a a little quick break, and then we're going to come right back and continue talking about National Healthcare Decisions Week.
0: Okay, men. Time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find careguides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: And we are back. We're speaking with Dr. Todd Wisser. You've sat down with your loved ones. Uh, you've decided which one is going to be the advocate or your proxy. What then? What what next? What do you do with, with all the information that you've decided, all the decisions that you've made? What next?
0: Yeah, so once you've outlined what's important, really the next step is, and you've, and you've chosen and gone over what's important to you, and you've got your proxy, like you said, who's at base for you or at bat for you, what do you do with it? Well, certainly the first thing is writing it down, and again, those forms that we discussed help kind of outline what questions are, are pertinent to doing so. Um, so if you follow their kind of examples, answer the questions, they're very, ba- I mean, they're not basic, but they're very nicely outlined in a format that makes kind of someone who's not in healthcare can easily interpret it and make these decisions and help organize where their thoughts are and what their goals of care would be. So follow the forms, write it down, document exactly what it is that you do or don't want, and then it has a place for you and your advocate to sign and again even as a primary care physician you can ask your primary care physician to typically sign off on one of these spots as well just fyi so anyway once it's written down where does it go well that's the other question is okay i've got it written down what do i do with it um i would recommend i always tell patients to keep a copy number one themselves make a copy of it and provide it to your proxy so they've got it on hand too and then give a copy to your primary care physician like i said i like to address these yearlies with my patients so having one for me too is an important place to go. If you're ever admitted to a hospital or there's ever a question about, you know, what did his uh, durable power of attorney say or what did the most form um, demonstrate, well, they can call the primary care doc's office and and receive one of those. That can be a hard point sometimes to get a hold of. So having it in a few different places, I would certainly argue that having it more places than not is probably beneficial.
1: Okay. And a final thought. So what's the point? Why do we need to do this?
0: Well, again, and I would argue, one, just for your your own peace of mind and satisfaction, how you would like your your end of life to go. Um, that's number one. But number two, and really the most important thing, is that this helps your loved ones. And I've seen it over and over again, um, is that it just provides your loved ones, the people that come into the hospital, the ICUs, the emergency rooms, um, or even the primary care physician's office, uh, when their loved one is at in a point in life where that end of care is, that their days are numbered. Having that outlined makes everybody so much calmer, it makes the patient more peaceful, it lets the family grieve as they would like to, it gives them satisfaction that they're acting on their be- on their loved one's best interests and on their behalf and doing so appropriately that there's no questions. Um, as to what they're doing for their loved one. It doesn't make people guess or wonder would their loved one have wanted more or less care. They don't need to wonder that. They know exactly what that person, uh, what that person wants. So um, I would just say, you know, the importance is just make your future care preferences known um, and have that discussion, even though it may be difficult.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We spoke today with Dr. Todd Wisser. He gave us a lot of good information and a lot of good advice about making an advanced care plan for yourself or maybe even helping a loved one get one together. Thank you so much, Dr. Wisser.
0: Yep. Maria, thanks so much for having me. I hope it was helpful and um, just wish, wish you the best. Thanks so much.
2: Know that I'm a hostage to all his hopes and fears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. More crumpled bits of paper filled with imperfect thoughts, still to conversations. I'm afraid that's all we've got You say you just don't see it He says it's perfect sense You just can't get agreement In this present tense We all talk a different
1: dr todd wisser for helping us discuss making plans for the future i'm your host maria oliver and this is life in colorado
0: if you have questions or comments about today's program please call 303-750-5687 life in colorado is a public affairs presentation of salem media of colorado